What's going on, Team ASG? Hope you guys had a great week. Happy Friday. I hope your weekend has some golf planned. I know on our end, we just want to thank you all for your feedback on the last couple of of podcasts. We've been getting some great interactions with you guys and questions about ankle mobility and why you may not be able to do some of the things that you see on social media. Um, And so for us, it's just really about bringing to light that fitness should be considered. It's not something that always affects your game, but there's no question in my mind that uh, fitness is a positive aspect to have in both your life, um, but also benefiting your golf game tremendously. We've seen that in our athletes. If you guys haven't had a chance to visit liveathletics.com or follow Zach Ray, he's on Instagram. Uh, He's a physical therapist by trade, but his work that he's doing right now in, in rotary sports Uh, which includes working with professional Major League Baseball players, football players, basketball players, and of course golfers, uh, is really second to none. I I think he's really progressing in the field, and um, it's really exciting to have him on the show. And in this episode, we talk with Zach about stretching, and specifically when to stretch and how to stretch, which I know I definitely had some questions about that. You know, before your round, should you be doing static stretching where you're holding for a certain amount of period of of time or is it more of dynamic motion? And then what about after your round? We also get a little bit into early specialization. So if there are any parents of budding junior golfers that are listening, that segment is for you. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hey, Zach, welcome back to the show. How's it going, man? What's up, guys? Happy What's to up, be Zach? Here. What's up, buddy? <laughs> How you doing today? Oh, you know, it's a great day. It's a great day. How are you guys doing? Doing awesome. Doing great. Taking care of golfers after learning about all their uh, ankle mobility issues. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been super helpful right away, and I hope the listeners have uh, been able to uh, – We've definitely had some great feedback from it, and, you know, we appreciate your time on the first podcast. No worries. Well, I'm excited for today's topic, for sure. Definitely. So today we're talking about general golf fitness, and I think we're going to kick it off with Ryan and just kind of run through, you know, just how we start. Should we stretch? Should we not stretch beforehand? You know, there seems to be a little confusion, and, um, you know, we kind of want to learn a little bit about what's going to allow us to perform uh, at our best, but also at our longest. Sure. Yeah. So before we get into that, I kind of want to start with this little argument I was having with my friend the other day about whether or not you should lift as a golfer. Because all <laughs> I hear is don't lift weights if you're a golfer, don't get big. That's when Tiger got hurt and golfers start doing bad is when they get big. But then you got Brooks Kepka, back to back US Open winner here, yeah. ripped. So what, what's your thoughts on, uh, on that? I think that golfers absolutely need to lift. I think that, I mean, not all lifting is created equal. Not all lifting fitness programs are the same. I like for golf, you know, you have to make sure that um, everything's periodized correctly. So, you know, when you first start your, your workout program, um, you know, if you're taking a youth golfer and they have a tournament in six weeks, 
you know, the first two weeks, you might start with higher rep stuff where they're doing 15, 20 reps of an exercise. And then slowly that should work down over the consequent weeks until you're getting closer. And then it should get down to where they're doing, you know, eight to 10 reps. If they're um, an older kid that's, you know, more developed, they can be working themselves down into, you know, the four and the two reps where you're trying to get some power. But doing that will prevent several things that I think are some of those false beliefs with golfers of, oh, I get tight if I play golf or I'm going to be too sore to swing or any of that. But the real truth is, is unless you're loading and getting stronger over time, you're just going to be getting weaker. And if you're only rotating left as a right-handed golfer would, you're developing so many imbalances and and asymmetry lines in the body, you're going to get hurt and you're going to lose performance. So you have to do something to counteract that and kind of balance that. So I absolutely lift my golfers. We lift our rotary baseball players. It has to happen. There's some key things that we make sure we do in their programming, but um, those guys are lifting. And just to follow it up, because I think a lot of people might be asking, well, what is those things that we might do? I think – you know, like a Brooks Kepka and stuff, I've never screened Brooks Kepka, so I don't know what his mobility patterns are. Obviously, he's got a good swing. He's got a um, consistent swing. I'd be interested to see just because he looked big doesn't mean that your eyes should be tricked by that. He might actually still have a lot of flexibility patterns, and he's put on, you know, muscle that's actually extensible muscle, which would be credit to whoever's training him and getting him pre-golf stretch ready because – um, you know, we could take anybody that's that's getting muscular, and as long as you're putting down muscle that's continues to lay down in flexible patterns, you're going to keep those. So if you don't do that and you only go in the gym and you're doing heavy weight and you go home and you don't do any stretching or any recovery stuff, you're right. The muscles will shorten, and you're going to see a decrease in your shoulder turn and, and all the false beliefs that some golfers would say about lifting. So, Yeah, and uh... – when the muscles get shorter like that, would you suggest certain stretches, foam rolling, or pair and both? What do so, you think? So to clarify, if they get short like that, like if they went through a bad workout cycle and they're already short, if they're not playing golf, they should be doing static stretching, so long holds that actually hold that. What I like to see is during the actual stretch program of during their putting down their muscle is that they need to be doing more of like we call it ballistic or active stretches where you're actually creating short bursts of flexibility and then it, the muscles can recoil. Um, what you do with that is you're perfecting that stretch shorten cycle, which is actually where a lot of performance and a lot of uh, free energy can come for both performance, but also injury reduction stuff. So I would never, I would never static stretch my golfers pre-round ever. Uh, post golf round, yeah, they can static stretch, but pre-round it needs to be more of an active type of stretch. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Sure. And then yeah. uh, something, something we push a lot with, with our golfers and younger younger kids that come to us is we tell their parents, get them into a lot of other sports because, like you said, there's a lot of imbalances and you're only using one side, so it's really good to engage all those other sides of the body and, and run and jump and get coordination doing all those other sports. Yeah, the, 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 embed, the epidemic nowadays, which is sad for kids, but I'm sure that you guys have a, a ton of adolescent junior golfers, everything's about specialization. You know, some of these kids – specializing at eight, nine, early, yeah. yeah, eight, nine years old. And, you know, if you really look at the human body and development, I mean, at eight, nine years old, they're not even developed. So at that point, whatever you're stressing to that, that system or their physical being is how they're going to 
respond. So at eight, nine, if you got them out taking, you know, hundreds of swings a day and they're putting and they're chipping and they're doing one thing only rotating one way over time, that's going to lead to an imbalance where the back side of the one side of the back muscles and around the ribs, that side's going to develop and the other side's not. Well, that imbalance will kill you in the, in the long run. Like that's something that, you know, will cause low back stiffness, cause pain and, you know, ultimately can be, you know, a career limiter um, as far as their potential. So you're right. What we try to preach all these kids is to make sure that they cross train. It's okay for them to be hyper-focused on golf, um, but make sure that they're doing other things because that can help, you know, eliminate, eliminate asymmetries and compensation patterns. And, and overall, it's just going to increase their athleticism. And if you look at a lot of the new, new swings and the best uprising talent on the tour – a lot of these golfers are what they would call now, you know, athletes. Like, they're the better athlete that's winning. And, um, you know, athletes can adjust to more variables in their environment than non-athletes. So, you know, whether that be pressure, whether it be uphill lie, downhill lie, hot degree or um, hot um, humid environments or cold environments, like, the more that you're able to do that, the more you're able to tolerate more variability. Yeah, I, I think that's an awesome point. And, you know, you talk about it to hear from the fitness professional is one thing because, you know, here he's saying that uh, just specializing in golf, for instance, can cause you not only long term injury, um, but, you know, it's just it's not healthy overall. And when we talk about it with our parents, we talk more about the mental side of it, sure. you know, because. There's a lot of pressure to perform at eight, nine years old, which is just absolutely crazy to me. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the amount of money that's available and scholarships now. And, um, you know, so it, so it is what it is. But I, I, it's really important to understand if parents of kids that are training athletes, you know, let them play other sports so they can mesh with different kinds of people. But they can also learn different motor patterns that ultimately when they are ready to specialize more in golf, you know, as they get ready for high school and college, certainly they're going to be more powerful. They're going to be healthier. Um, and, and they're going to enjoy the game longer, I think, you know, so it's great yeah, to hear that. And, and we've, t- we've talked off, off air, you know, at, at, at times about, you know, the importance of being able to rotate the other way and what that does. So, mm-hmm. you know, most golfers, like we say, they rotate with force to the left. I'm a right-handed golfer. They're rotating to the left with force. And I don't know if a lot of people really understand why would you want to rotate to the right in, and have a good movement pattern with that. Well, as you guys can probably speak to, is putting the brakes on yeah. is, is vital. The deceleration component is actually the the issue in most sports where most injuries happen. So if your deceleration patterns inefficient, not only will you have a performance loss, but that increases your, your injury risk tremendously. Right. So what would we do in golf? I mean, cause we prescribe, obviously you have, you know, general uh, flexibility exercises that we've learned through TPI and some other outlets um, where we're doing, you know, stabilizing the lower body, and mobilizing the upper body and vice versa. Um, but what are some of the other things? Is it swinging left-handed and right-handed? Is it swinging a weighted club? What 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 would you recommend for daily uh, stuff? I mean, I love I love being able to swing the opposite hand. 
you know, like your right hand being able to swing left-handed. I think mm-hmm. that that's great because it's something super basic and easy which that you don't need any equipment for. Um, I think weighted clubs are, are awesome. I mean, that's an asterisk with it because that gets a little more complicated as far as development of where they're at. If it's an adolescent kid, sure. I don't know if they weighted clubs here. Or I mean, that's a little bit more of a loaded thing, but I just look at volume. You know, if they're going to be on the range and they hit 100 balls – um, in their natural stance, they probably should swing a hundred times the other way. I mean, that's just an easy one-to-one balance for them. What we try to do in our fitness programming is, is we actually try to rotate them the opposite way at yep. least a two-to-one ratio, sometimes three-to-one ratio during their, their workout programming because we're really trying to coach down their deceleration patterning. And um, we've seen the biggest performance gains from that and we've seen the, the, the lowest injury risk for that. So it seems like a win-win. Wow, that's really interesting. So you guys are actually doing, if I'm a right-handed golfer, you're actually doing more left-side stuff yep. uh, in the gym at a 3-to-1 ratio in, in reps? Yeah, I mean, most times 2-to-1, sometimes 3-to-1. 3-to-1, if we, during the screen that we uh-huh. just we talked about in the previous podcast, if we notice an, a crazy imbalance, like we're going to try to do as, as quick a work to try to neutralize that imbalance. So the only way you're going to be able to do that is to stimulate and so sometimes we have to increase that ratio to three to one. So, Zach, do you know what an orange whip is or uh, yeah. like the speed sticks that like yeah. Phil Mickelson swings towards around? So yeah. would something like that, like a little little more weight to it or, or just swinging fast with the speed sticks on the opposite side before your round get you ready to go play? Yeah, and it, it's all about the same same mechanism because you're stimulating the deceleration phase and, um, you know, We've talked about the slingshot mechanism. You know, if you can stabilize your hips and as you're creating rotation, if your hips can suddenly stop, that's going to transfer, you know, energy up into the torso and then that can keep moving up the kinetic chain. It's just like whipping a towel or whipping a belt to make that sound. It's the same thing that, that we're, we're ultimately trying to do is by generating, you know, free elastic kinetic energy. So by you stimulating speed to the opposite direction, you're going to be able to put the brakes on that much faster and that much faster putting the brakes on can be that much more of an efficient deceleration pattern, which can then lead to X, Y, and Z, which normally means, you know, more power with less energy and and more consistency because you're not like grunting over the ball, trying to muscle it out of there. Yeah. And I've heard that, that athletes that play, say two different sports opposite handed are really good at slowing down because they're say a righty in golf, a lefty in baseball they're really good at creating speed by by exactly what you just said, being able to slow down both sides of the body. Yep. You see that a lot with, like, hockey, honestly. A lot. Or uh, or even in baseball where you have switch hitters. I would imagine, I mean, those guys I always just visualize as just supreme athletes because, you know, I can't swing a baseball hat right, right-handed, let alone left-handed. <laughs> uh zach i want to take a step back into uh like the the pre-game stretching but i want to start with a question related to lifting i've i've heard the argument that you should stretch before lifting and that you shouldn't and i've noticed that when i don't stretch i feel stronger because that muscle's nice and tight so where's where's like the breaking point there i mean is there can you stretch too much where that muscle's way too loose and you shouldn't be lifting or playing golf because you've overstretched yeah, for sure. Um, it goes into the same thing that I was saying about golf. So any any athletic event, lifting weights, running, you do not want a static stretch before that because 
the more that you static stretch and you, so to be clear, so we're all saying the same thing. So static stretch is like long holds. You're holding stuff mm-hmm. 45, 60 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, whatever. Static stretch is like taking a rubber band and putting it on stretch for, you know, a couple of days and all of a sudden it, it starts to, um, whatever bacon neck or it has the, it's not a elasticity effort. is lost. Yes, exactly. You're doing the same thing to your muscles pre round or pre exercise or pre lift. That's why you don't feel as, as strong as because the contractile units are completely stretched out at that point. That's why we always recommend people. It needs to be more active um, type of stretches pre golf round or pre fitness or pre um, lift or heavy uh, lift. But to be clear, a warm-up is definitely um, needs to happen uh, prior to lifting because you need to warm up the neural system as well as the muscles with a little bit of blood flow. But there is a fine line. If you start doing static holds before, your performance will be decreased for sure. So it's just getting the muscles activated and ready to perform Yep. through active stretches. Yep. And right. it, does that involve a foam roller or is that more just, just – just so move, we use, moving so, while you're stretching. So we have no problem with foam rolling because most people don't tolerate foam rolling very long to where they want to sit on it for an hour. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But our big thing is why we use foam rolling. There's a lot of controversy that foam rolling really does anything because they've done some studies that say, that you know, does the fascia really extend with foam rolling or does it not? I don't know. I mean, I, I'll leave that to the other people that are experts on that stuff. But for me, what I think from foam rolling, why it can be effective is it brings blood flow. And it's stimulating a neural, the sensation and the pressure is stimulating the mm. neural response to those areas, which in essence, lets your brain and the neural system be like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with my calf now. Now I'm in touch with my quad. Now I'm in touch with my hamstring. And the more you do that, that's a more connected, you know, human being and a mover um, where you can be more coordinated quicker. And then, then you stretch, then you're ready to work. That's where you're going to get your best gains. Gotcha. And we, we talked about swinging. Uh, both ways, activating side of the body. But is that enough? Like, what what other stretches before our listeners are going to have to play around? What what would you s- suggest that they do? What kind of active stretches? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to describe over air, but I think that there's more just some pillars of conversation that need to happen. I think just based on our previous podcast, you should do something for your calves and attribute your ankle. Um, you know, you need to do something, whether it be just ankle circles. Um, there's some other kneeling technique stuff that you can do where you can kind of smash out your calf a little bit. Um, another big one that we like to do is, is just hip hinge, like conditioning the hip hinge. And as you guys can vouch, you know, hip hinge. If you don't have a good hip hinge, it can screw up your whole golf posture. So just make sure that you actually have the mobility to get into a hip, hip hinge. And then one of some of the big things that I like is I like asymmetrical hip loading stretching. So if you get into like a lunge with your left foot forward and your right foot back, you know, you fire your right glute, so you're getting a right hip flexor stretch, and then I'm going to rotate to the left ballistically. So I'm teaching my right hip flexor to lengthen with all my obliques to be able to turn to the left. So I'm conditioning what I would mimic in my right-handed swing as, as impact at that position. I'm turning into my left hip, um, so that's a closed hip type of rotation. I'm opening my right hip and my hip flexors being able to let that go. So I normally do stuff like that, um, you know, five, six times, just back lunge, rotate two or three times, stand up, back lunge two or three times, and then I'll switch and do it the other side. So those are good, and I think the same thing needs to go for your upper body, which we've talked in the, in the past, is you know shoulder and, and lat length, like the latissimus dorsi length. That mm-hmm. definitely needs to have some length in it. Um, so we'll do like arm circle stuff. We'll do some almost Michael Phelps swimmer-looking stuff, um, 
pre-golf round just to make sure that we have the extensibility and the pop in all of those musculature. Yeah, that's, uh, that's yeah, great. I only ask because I, I think the average person doesn't know how to warm up for golf or how to stretch. I mean, I I never did that in high school. I never saw anyone do it. I know Dan didn't do it, so it's it's a lot of new information. <laughs> I don't I don't think Arnold Palmer and Jack were doing any of that. So most it's, knowledge most is power, are, man. It's good to good to hear all this from you. Most of the layman golfers are warming up with a breakfast ball. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and a lower back strain. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's I think it's really important, and as golf professionals, you know, learning from the fitness um, side is super important. To, like we just said, you know, being able to play this game longer. I can't tell you, and Ryan, I'm sure can attest to this. How many guys have we seen come into the golf shop or on the lesson tee that said, you know, sorry, I've been out the last two weeks, my back hurt, you know, this, that, and the other. And it seems to me that injuries um, continue to. Uh, be reported and there's not a lot of consistent addressing it you know it's just kind of like oh well you know you're a golfer your back's gonna hurt and it's like well there's some preventative stuff that we can do and and i think just getting the blood flowing is is great you know um one thing that we do with a lot of our older golfers is just have them put a club across their chest and you know stabilize the lower body and just uh mobilize the upper body and then kind of turn that a little bit loose and just do um, some warm-up swings like letting their hips go and and I think just anything that you can do fair to say that's you know golf muscle related is going to be better than nothing right for sure well very cool Zach well um, let's talk just a little bit about we've we've had a great round of golf we avoided injury how can we wind down? Is it, like you said, is this now the static stretches? And then also to that end, I've heard so many different things about how long to hold a stretch. Should I feel the, the first moment of tension, the second moment of tension? Can you just clarify that for us so we know? Yeah, so what we have our clients do post-round, that's when you actually want to do your most bang for your buck with the foam roller, uh, to be honest because that's actually you're going to try to get smash out some of the waist and the, and the tension in the legs or wherever the, the whatever you're foam rolling. But in addition to that, um, that's also when the static stretching is indicated. As far as time, um, we like full minutes uh, for static holds. You know, there's there's some evidence about that. If you're really, really, really trying to make big flexibility gains, you can hold it upwards four minutes. And wow. I just don't think – in my experience with humans, that we have that discipline to be able to hold that for four. <laughs> I could barely do 30 seconds. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm not telling you that, that if you do four, it's better than one. I think that if you have big aspirations of improving your flexibility, you should do it after round or after fitness or after your lift. And if you have the discipline to be able to sit into it two minutes, I think that that's great. Um, but I would just say a, minimum, a, a minute at a minimum would be great. Uh, or would you just be adequate for the for the normal person? As far as how far to push it, I think this is the next thing that a lot of people mess mess up. And I would say guys in the guys <laughs> space, we're notorious for this. We think more is better. So yeah. we'll just be like, well, we're going to cram it down there. We're going to get there. And then they're so dang sore the next day and they had a bad experience. 
you know, they're not going to stretch and then all of a sudden they're worse than where they started. So right. I think that, you know, gradual steps is more what we need to take. And so when you actually get into a stretch, there's something we call in, in, in the medical field is R1 and R2. And that's just basically when you first feel resistance, that's R1. Max resistance that you can tolerate, that's R2. What I always tell people is, is you should go somewhere in the halfway between that. You should get a little bit past the first sensation but you should not be anywhere near the end and then hold that there for a minute. You'll make some good change. You're not going to have the, the next day soreness where you're not going to want to do it again. And you can stay moving the momentum forward towards better flexibility. I love that. I think that's, I think that's great. And it just really clearly stated. So for instance, if I'm doing a ham, the general um, quad stretch, right? Where I'm on the, uh, the floor position and doing a quad stretch, you're saying R1 is the first moment of tension in that muscle, and then R2 is extreme, which obviously we don't want to hold. So you're saying find the middle of that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. You want to be you want to be just somewhere in the middle. Like so, if R1 happened at 50% and, and mm-hmm. R2 happened at 100% of your capacity, let's just say you should be somewhere in like 65 to 75. That's where you need to hang out and be there for a minute, control your breathing try to get that sucker to relax a little bit so that it can lengthen. Um, and, and, and what we find is a lot of guys, like I said, girls are blessed with flexibility more than guys are, but sure. uh, we hold our breath under tension. And when you do that, you're conditioning your body not to relax. So if you stretch too far, you're actually creating stress to your system. Stress to your system is only going to cause more contractions. So you're actually fighting back against yourself. That's why we want to be a little uncomfortable, but not to a point where we can't relax and breathe. Makes sense. Yeah. And I, I think that seems to be a rule for a lot of us stuff in golf too, where we talk about, you know, posture, we go extremes and then we find the middle. Uh, that seems to be a good posture. And of course we can talk more about all that stuff, but um, it sounds to me like if we could get our golfers just to do some basic warm up exercises, uh, which of course we'll be posting on hopefully both Instagrams just to kind of help people out. Cause I know a lot of the listeners are actually looking for videos of that too. So for sure. uh, definitely stay tuned for that. Super excited to launch all of those, increase that club head speed. Zach, where can the uh, listeners find you? Please share your uh, social media and anything else. Yeah, our social, our Instagram, Live Athletics, just how it's spelled. Um, and then obviously they can check out some stuff about us online, liveathletics.com. Um, feel free to shoot us a, a DM on Instagram or shoot us an email or even give us a call if there's any other further questions. But yeah, looking forward to continuing working with you guys and thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Zach. We look forward to the next one. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, bye. Thanks, Zach. All right, gentlemen, that is enough for one day. Hey, that, that stuff's dope. You got to send, re- send me, can you send me the recording? Dude, not only will I send you the recording, but I'll send you a little one-minute teaser for Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, like, that stuff is so, so, so cool and so clean because, like, one of the things, like, I love talking about this stuff, but you have to yeah. have the questions provoked so that you can answer them. Like, I'm not going to go sit there on a podcast and just start talking about yeah. you know, ground reaction forces. It's just like, what? Right. Well, no, it's just nice because I feel like there are definitely some things we we know and and you know on the golf side. And for us to be able to mesh and just kind of talk, oh, you know, well, well, in golf, I heard this. And then we're over here going, well, in fitness, what about this? You know, those are things that common people are going to have questions about. And, 
Um, I mean, I I just always get smarter every time we talk, so that's cool. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm with it. Cool. Nice. Hey guys, thanks for listening to episode 3 of the All Systems Golf Podcast. Hope you guys got a lot out of that. We really enjoyed sitting down with Zach and every time we sit down with him we learn something new and uh, keep the feedback coming. Be sure and look up Zach on Instagram at Live Athletics. Be sure you're also following us on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That's at All Systems Golf. And since you guys have been such great supporters of us, anybody that has listened to this podcast can DM us on Instagram or Facebook and receive a free, 100% free mobile swing analysis. So we'll take a look at your swing, or if you guys want, you can send us your putting stroke, your chipping stroke. Uh, And this is all anticipation of us launching our unlimited improvement plan that we'll be uh, releasing on social media very soon. So stay tuned for that and we'll catch you next time.